thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audrey Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7, which let's face it, there are certainly plenty of those. So we're going down a completely different path in today's episode as I'm talking with a couple who have just returned from travelling around Australia and the world for the past 14 months. And as you're about to hear from our guests, Mike and Alison Bearhoom, who are originally from the United Kingdom, but now live uh, here in Australia in Narang in Queensland, they made the decision to throw in their jobs to go travelling, something that most people are listening to this podcast right now, I'm sure, have dreamt about doing one day. Now, this episode is actually a follow-up from episode number 60, where I originally interviewed Mike and Alison before they headed off on to their adventure. So to tell us how it all went, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker return welcome to Mike and Alison. Hello. Hi, Audra. Hi, Audra. Hey. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, guys. You did it. We We did. did. (laughs) We had a blast. Amazing, amazing. Can't believe we really did it, but we did. Yeah. Does it feel like it was 14 months ago now? Like it just, it maybe feels like about six months when I was last speaking to you, to be honest. Yeah, actually, now that we're back, uh, you know, some of it does seem to have gone really quickly. But then in other parts seem like a long time ago. I mean, I, I was only thinking this morning about, you know, being somewhere in, in central Australia. And that actually seems like quite a long time ago. It seems yeah. like a lot more than a year ago that we were there. I think yeah. we've done so much more since Australia. It's kind yeah. of like it does seem a long time ago. Yeah, we've managed to squeeze quite a bit in. Yeah. But we're not done with Australia yet, ever, actually. <laughs> Well, we're not done with travelling at all yet, I don't think. It's just, you know, there's there's a lot more to come. Yeah. We just hitched up our van that um, we call Lucy and we're actually going camping again this week because we can't get enough and we obviously have not had a long enough holiday. So, um, so yes, we need to get our fix of camping again. I yeah. love that. I love that. You barely, you know, set foot back in Australia for just a couple of weeks and off you go again, just to squeeze it in you know, while you can, which is great. Yeah, well, Good on yeah. you. That's We've it. got five days. Let's do it while yeah. we can. A week's, a week's camping before I get back into full-time work. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I think before we get into it, we might just do a bit of a recap for those who haven't listened to episode 60. Um, you know, so some of those that are new to this podcast, could you share with us again, like what triggered you to actually take the plunge and quit your jobs to go traveling because as I alluded to before like you know so many of us talk about it we think about it but you guys actually went ahead and did it yeah I don't know there was a, a single trigger okay but there were a few things so you know we turned 50 I think when we left actually Ali wasn't quite 50 but close to I'd turned 50 the year before it was our 25th wedding anniversary um, my mother died uh, a few years ago in fact both my parents died and you just kind of, we were having this thought about, well, life's too short just to be going to work and back every day. And and don't get me wrong, you know, we, we actually, you know, living here on the Gold Coast, we have a great life. Um, we've got a good network of friends and everything, but we just wanted to get out there and travel. And, you know, for those that listen to the first podcast, you'd know that we originally came to Australia as, as backpackers and did the whole traveling thing. So we just thought time was right to, to recreate and do it again in our 50s instead of in our 20s. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. 
And was it so? Was it a three to four year plan from when you were sort of sitting down over the dinner table one night and saying, you know, let's start to put this into action? That, that's right. It was. You know, okay. we sort of started talking about it about three years beforehand, and then the 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 time to set off with times around the Commonwealth Games. So it was always yep. part of the plan to go and work at the Commonwealth Games first and then set off travelling directly after that. And, you know, that's that's exactly how it worked out. You know, we planned it, we got the jobs at the Commonwealth Games and then we set off pretty much directly after that finished. Yeah, and you worked some pretty crazy shifts at the Commonwealth Games from memory that's to right. I, think, I think when we spoke last time I just finished and I was doing three in the morning until three in the afternoon yeah it's off and yeah and going back in the kitchen after all those years was was tough but it was good fun you know I really enjoyed it yeah had 15 well 14 months of not working yeah that's it that's been um, 14 months to get over it oh (laughs) so have you recovered from it (laughs) so have you recovered from those shifts (laughs) uh yeah Yeah, I've had plenty of time. Oh, I, I would think so. A, a lifetime ago, yeah. getting up and going to work, it's mm. um, yeah, crazy to think how fast those 40 months have gone without actually having to go to work. Mm. Yeah, yeah on, on the sort of usual treadmill of life. So you went around Australia and overseas, and we'll, we'll kind of go into a little bit more of the, the destinations in a second, but I suppose um, from an overseas kind of perspective, what what colour? What countries did you actually visit in that time? Okay, so we started in the Philippines because my sister and her family live over there, so that was a perfect opportunity to spend some time with them. So we went to the Philippines. After that, we headed over to Vietnam, Cambodia, India, next. India next, and then in Europe we went to Port- Portugal, Croatia, Croatia, Montenegro, Bosnia, Slovenia, Slovenia and finished it- up in the. Greek Island. Yeah, Italy as well. We, oh, yeah. we just day, went a day trip to Italy. Yeah, just went into uh, Trieste for lunch. As you do. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> so, yeah, I, think I was doing a few of my stats the other day, just trying to get up with everything. And I think we did 20 flights, 13 countries, including Australia. And overseas, we slept in 106 different beds. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. And that was just in that six-month period, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because you did uh, six months in Australia, and that's right, isn't it? And the seven or eight months was overseas? or Yeah, we did uh, about seven months around Australia and about okay. six months overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Something. Cool. So let's talk about Australia first. Like, had. How did you travel? You, you, you did mention before it was um, in a, a Lucy. So Lucy's not a caravan or is Lucy more like a, a motorhome? Like can you describe Lucy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, Lucy for all of us? And how you Lucy. even came up with Lucy as a name for you? <laughs> well, Lucy got her name because of her number plate. So her, her number plate ends in U-C-Y and we were sitting there camping one day. This is long before we set off and, and just going, well, what should we name it? And the U-C-Y stuck out and so Lucy, it was just you know spare at the moment but lucy is a jaco swift and now a a jaco swift is one of those little it's like a wind-up caravan you know you turn the handle at the back and the roof comes up and the the beds pop out either end so once it's set up and you're inside it it is like a caravan you know it's got a fridge and a little stove and everything in it but lucy is tiny it's Mm. the it's the smallest jaco that you can get it is very very small Um, and and we survived in her for what seven months yeah. And we could have easily carried on. Yeah. We didn't, there was never a time 
um, really where we felt, oh, my gosh, this is such a small space um, that we're living in. And I think at the end of Australia, we sort of looked and thought, wow, we need so little. We just didn't need all mm. this stuff. Can't leave behind in your house, um, and you've just got this tiny space with just the basics. And it was, it's I enough. It was it's yeah, it's a start of being able to live that simple life, not needing all these things that we have at home that just sit there and don't get used. So yeah, yeah, mm. so true. The bigger the house, the bigger the more stuff that you kind of got to have to fill up the rooms and so forth, haven't you? So you would have had to really, really kind of you know cull, <laughs> or suppose oh, yeah. even the yeah. Size of the fridge that we uh, we had in her, you know, it's a size of a little bar fridge. So obviously, you know, there was one time we went off grid for about a month without any service, you know, no supermarkets. So we had to be really organised and do that big shop to last us for that period of time. And it's amazing what we got fifteen meals into that little freezer. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. 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 So we, before before we had to resort to tins or packets or anything, we mm. had all this um, all this food in the freezer that we managed to squeeze in there it's it's amazing how much you squeeze in you know and i think when you live in a big space you you spread to fill that space and so when you live in a small space you obviously condense everything and really you know you don't, you need, don't need a lot of stuff it's, mm. it's actually, it, was, it was very liberating being able yeah. to live like that i think and yeah. even silly things you know from the girl's point of view hair dryers hair straighteners i haven't even used them since i've got back you know, I just don't – and make you don't worry about it. You just get up in the morning and you just, yeah, get up and have a shower. Or sometimes, in our case, we missed the shower a few times. We probably had nothing. Because yeah. of where you were, yeah. To deal with it. Yeah. Australia was an amazing experience. I loved every, every minute of it. Yeah. How – again, that's interesting too because, I mean, you're both quite tall people. Uh you know, and the fact that, yeah, Lucy had to kind of wind up all the time. That's that's probably one thing, because my husband's quite tall as well, and it's one thing that I just would think, oh, surely she must have felt a little bit claustrophobic, but I guess you're only sleeping there, aren't you, and sort of eating and... Most of the time you sit outside, you know, yeah. in something like it's warm yeah. enough. But and when you say about, um, well, being tall, well, when you wind Lucy up, I'm six foot and I can stand up. Um, full height in Lucy, and there's plenty of room still above my head. Oh, so, okay, okay. So height is—it's not like being in a tent where you've got a stoop. Yes, once you're got inside, it. it's it. You know, and there's the table and the, the seats to sit at. So, yeah, it's um, it's I got everything you need. It's small, but it's got everything you need. I think in our time in Australia, though, we probably only counted maybe six days when it rained and we were sort of stuck in her. Yeah, and that probably was the one time when I felt a bit. Yeah, claustrophobic that time. Yeah, in, yeah. I think if it had, if it had rained a lot, it would, it would have, have been, been a very different, different experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, then you're really restricted, aren't you? And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember, weren't you around um, Kayama? Yeah, it, I remember that. Yeah, rained for about four days, <laughs> and oh. the wind we're literally kind of stuck in her. Yeah, yeah. We had games to play. We had our quirkle and our sequence to keep us busy and reading books and all that kind of thing so that was all good yeah yeah I, mean, I think you did very well if Kaima was really only the main place that it rained yeah which is extraordinary so i have to kind of ask this question then top three favorite places in australia oh that's really hard yeah. you know, i know i know that's why i'm asking <laughs> yeah. when we come back to the gold coast we always say what a great place to live 
you know, Australia's got some some very beautiful places. And for those that don't know the Gold Coast, if you think of the Gold Coast as surface paradise, it is kind of, yeah, it's a bit tacky. But around here, you know, we've got beautiful waterways, beautiful national parks. Um, it, it is a lovely place. So when you come back, you kind of go, yeah, it, where we live is actually beautiful. Mm. But other than that, top places in Australia, I, but, I think oh, Kimberley was I think, pretty... Yes, for- for me, for both of us, the Kimberley was probably one of our top destinations. Um, we did spend one week staying in this place called Middle Lagoon up near Cape Levique at the top there. Oh, near Broome. Broome. That, and yeah. that was an amazing place. Mm-hmm. So you're up at the Kimberley. For me, just generally being in the outback, you know, in Central Australia, driving along those red dirt roads i can't explain it but it just Mm. yeah there's just something about being in the middle of nowhere you're traveling for seven hours and you don't see anyone and you're you're camped in the middle of the simpson desert with just the dingoes around and just all of that kind of thing was amazing yeah that was beautiful in camping in the simpson desert and then um we had a stop in the tanami desert as well you know just completely on our own it is it's beautiful that solitude is it's, yeah, it's quite special. But also I'd say still in Western Australia would be um, snorkelling at Ningaloo Reef. Now, a lot of people haven't even heard of Ningaloo Reef, and it's actually right on – you don't have to get a boat to get there. It's right there on the coastline. You can go to the beach and you walk into the reef. So if there's any of you out there listening and wanted to go somewhere different from the Barrier Reef, then I'd strongly recommend um, head off to Ningaloo Reef, which is – Near Exmouth. Near Exmouth on the WA coast. Mm. So that was amazing. It was beautiful. But every part, there was no place that we went to in Australia where we thought, nah, don't really like this. Everything was incredible mm. for, different, for different reasons. Wine tasting in Margaret River and in the Barossa Valley was quite good fun as well, especially, especially when we push did bike. a push bike tour <laughs> through the wineries, you know, doing wine tasting. That was fun. Yeah, I think by the time we got to the end of that, we were pretty sober. Yeah. Because of all those hills that you made me climb up, yeah. cycle up. That's good for you. <laughs> Getting a bit of exercise to burn off all that wine. I love it. I love it. So you obviously started from the Gold Coast and worked your way down south and then worked your way up in the middle and up and across. Is that right? That's right. Yep. So we went down the New South Wales coast, round into south, well, through Victoria, round into South Australia. And then up to Birdsville, because we timed it to be in Birdsville for the Big Red Bash, which is that music festival that happens on the edge of the Simpson Desert every year. Um, and then from there, we went uh, across the... What was that? We went across the Tanama. Oh, yeah. no, we went across the Plenty Highway to get to Alice Springs. Some very, very rough roads, let me tell you. Yeah. That van got shook to pieces. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and then from, from Alice Springs, we went across the Tanama Desert to get to the Kimberley. And then from there, it was down the West Coast. And, you know, and then when it was time to come home, we, we sort of took the quick route across the Nullarbor and back to Queensland. Foot to the floor and literally yeah. came home in the last five days, didn't we? Yeah. And I think one thing I remember you sort of often saying, Alison, when you'd sort of, you know, obviously pop in and check in every now and then, that you would always say that there's just so much to see and that each time that you're stopping somewhere, you just think, oh, we need to spend weeks just here. I find, yeah, it goes to show that you could literally spend years, years just travelling Australia, couldn't you, and you still haven't seen everything. Yeah, that is so true, and I will admit that there were times, both here in Australia and overseas, that, you know, you sort of suckle me more than Mike, that FOMO, 
and he's going, Ali, you can't do everything. You know, we can't oh, okay. we yeah. have the time mm. to want to do. So you've just got to pick the best bits and just experience what you see yeah. rather also, than thinking about the things that you want to, want to see. Um, so, so yeah, FOMO was, a, was quite a big thing at one time, but I did get over it. Yeah. So got to save something to see for the for the next trip rounds. And, you know, you say you could do it for years. Well, we met quite a few people who were doing exactly that, you know. Okay. Um, people that have retired, sold the house and, and bought a van or a motorhome, and they just spend their time traveling Australia, you know, because yeah. you can go around three or four or five or six times, and every time you go around, you just stop and see something else. But that does bring me to something that I do like to share because it's like a big um, thing. I met this guy, well, we met this guy at a campground, it's near to the end of our trip, I guess, and he, would ju- he had just finished doing the 12 months around Australia, and I was having a bit of a chat with him, and he had said, for well, quite a few years he'd been talking to his wife, and they were discussing about how they wanted to do it, but there's always an excuse, you know, we've still got the mortgage to pay, it's not quite the right time, what if we don't get another job, yeah, we'll do it one day, and all these excuses. Mm. And he then said to me, well, here I am at the end of our end of my 12 month lap of Australia my wife's not with me she died three years before and you know every time I think back to that story it kind of gives me those goosebumps as to sort of making us realize we've so done the right thing yeah absolutely that's just giving me goosebumps he held my hand and so you said you know your husband and yourself you're so doing what you're meant to do why you can when you can and we didn't because we came up with all these excuses and then I did it, but it was too late because my wife had passed away. So that story will always be kind of a big one for me. Yeah, so all those people out there saving for retirement to go and do your big trip when don't you retire. do it. Do it now. You might not, you might not it make again. it to retirement. You don't know what's around the corner. Mm, so, yeah, so, so incredibly true. And I think that's an important point, uh, a right, really, really important point, obviously, to raise too. And, and that is one thing that, uh, you know, you were alluding to about the mortgage as well. That's one of the main reasons why people stop, you know, don't do it. But you guys happily admitted on that last podcast, you still have a mortgage, but you made it, you, you know, you found a way to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. right. We still do have a mortgage and it's still there. It didn't magically disappear. <laughs> while we were away. Darn. <laughs> But it worked well. We left our son in our house. He filled the house with other people, so they paid for a mortgage while we were away. Yeah. And, um, yeah, wouldn't change anything there. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing There's nothing with James. Yeah, and actually got to say, James did an amazing job. When we came home, we were thinking the garden would be a mess and the house would be a mess. It, not at all. It, it, the place is spotless. The garden is probably... still is. <laughs> yeah, the garden's probably tidier than it's ever been. So it's um, he did an amazing job. Yeah, good landlord then, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Dream landlord. Yeah, wow, I love it. Yeah, very powerful what you just mentioned and I hope everyone listening to that, you know, even myself included, you know, and my husband have sort of talked about this a bit too. I think it's really we need to be listening to Mike and Ali's wisdom um, that they've just shared with that because it is, it's a whole, we all, there's always going to be an excuse and a reason to not do it, but we need to be thinking of the reasons why. Because, uh, as you know, Mike said, it, you know, life is definitely way, way, way too short. Um, all right. So, what about the overseas portion, uh, Ali? You mentioned that you you went to Philippines first. Obviously, that was to catch up with your sister. Uh, how was that? Oh, I have to say that was a pretty amazing country. 
So put it on your bucket list. Mm. All of you listen to this. It's got to be on your bucket list. It is, uh, yeah, we had a great time. So many beautiful islands to explore. Just, I don't know, I can't really explain. It was just, I'm thinking of one of the best things we did, probably swimming with the um, side. Oh, through that store sardines. Sardines. Yeah, with snorkeling and then you're just completely surrounded by this. Yeah, thousands and thousands of sardines. And on that boat cruise in El Nido in Palawan, yeah, and clear, just spending blue, the day. warm water, snorkeling over coral again and, you know, plenty of fish. And, and sure, you can do all of that in Australia too if you go up to, well, Nigula Reef or the Great Barrier Reef. But, yeah, in the Philippines there's something special. something special about you're on, you know, a rickety little wooden boat. With, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were lucky enough actually to be on there with a bunch of Filipinos rather than with a bunch of overseas tourists. Mm-hmm. And then actually made and our experience. Was, um, yeah, and yeah, then fed on, fed on the boat with, you know, local local food which was pretty cool in fact when we were with um shirley ali's sister um shirley's husband oliver is filipino and it, we went out on a boat with them and they oliver got a fish from the fish market didn't he and they cooked it up on the barbecue on the boat and then we're all eating the fish with our hands and rice in these little parcels and beautiful you know amazing it's fantastic but then there was the other side you know the the poverty um was very apparent sort of everywhere we went sabu was Cebu is quite, quite yeah. full on. Manila's not. You know, Manila you, is very modern. And, you know. But, you know, in Cebu, you've got all these modern shopping centres where the people who've got money are there. And you walk out and you walk down the road and, oh, my gosh, it's just such a different world. Yeah. It's like that in all, like, India was another example of how you've got the... Expected people have everything. Though, and, think, yeah. yeah. But even, yeah, the bus the bus rides up to, who was it, Sagada. Yeah. Hanging coffins and those caves up yeah. north. Pretty about cool. eight hours north of Manila on crazy bus rides. They were, yeah, it's it a really good place. Yeah. I love how you kind of have gone to the, you know, off the beaten track kind of stuff. You have kind of veered off the main tourists, um, you know, because most, yeah, most of us when we travel, we just follow the t- tour bus and everything, that. don't you? Yeah. I think when you've got time, mm. it's better to get off the beaten track. I think if you're going on a two-week holiday somewhere, then it makes sense to maximise it. And, you know, you go to, I don't know, Venice or um, Santorini True. or, yeah. you know, the major tourist sites and so on. But when you've got time, the, the real cultural experience in different countries is found off the beaten track, I yeah. think. You know, they're... But for me, they're better experiences. If you've got a condensed trip into two weeks, then obviously you're going to go and see the big sites. That just makes sense, I think. But for us, we just wanted to get away from all of that and just yeah. experience life how it is with the locals and away from the tourist spots. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But you also, I mean, obviously there was a, this is a budgetary reason as well, but the fact that, uh, you know, you... You you did you just went low budget the whole <laughs> the whole kind of way and that you know really yeah. sort of immerse yourself into uh, yeah everything. We would we would turn up in a place you know whether we got there by bus or train or whatever and then once we got there we would you know we had a habit of then finding out where we could rent a little motorbike or a scooter and then we would use that to explore the area around that place before you know moving on to the next place and it. it You've really got to have your own transport to really get off the beaten track. It's, mm. uh, yeah, I think without, just being, makes it so much without the motorbike or the scooter, it would yeah. have been quite a different experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, and that was in the Philippines, India. It was every yeah. single, yeah, every single oh, country. Oh, wow, okay. We made sure that we yep. 
hired a scooter or a motorbike to get around. Yeah, a bit different in Europe because in Europe we just got a hire. Yeah. Car. You know, it's, it's just a lot yep. easier. But, yeah, in, in Asia, the way to get around, if you're brave enough and you've got a bit of experience, <laughs> I wouldn't suggest if you're not a motorcyclist, but mm. if, you're, if you're brave enough and you've got some experience, get a bike. I mean, I, I remember getting the one in um, uh, Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, my goodness. And, and the traffic there is just nuts. But it's kind of weird because it actually works. You know, there's bikes going <laughs> There's hardly any cars. Um, and, you know, nobody seems to obey traffic lights or any road regulations or anything. But the chaos actually works. It's kind of weird. You know, we kind of love you, that chaos, don't we? It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Something love about the Asian... It's organised chaos somehow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And actually, we do need to make mention that um, Ali and Mike are both uh, fairly experienced <laughs> motorcyclists. So, yeah, it's not something that you would just all of a sudden hire a bike if you've never actually driven one before. That would be a bit no. like me to do something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very important point to kind of make mention. Uh, yeah, for a safety kind of perspective, that's for sure. All right. In, in Vietnam in particular, we saw quite a few people who clearly didn't have any experience on bikes. Uh, and okay. we saw quite a few people hobbling around after losing a certain <gasps> amount of skin after coming off. And oh. we met a French couple in particular who'd, who'd done exactly that. They hired a bike and managed to come off it. And, you know, he was on crutches. Her arm was all bandaged up and they'd lost a fair bit of skin between them. So it's, um, yeah, not a smart thing to do if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely, definitely. So how did you go then budget-wise? Because I know that you definitely had a strict budget before you set off. You worked, you knew how long you were going to be away for, you knew where you were going, um, and you did actually have a strict budget. So how did you go with that? Well, (laughs) we started off with a budget of $700, so that was going to be our budget for the entire 40 months away. $700 a week. Yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> $700 a week. And that was it. You know, there was no negotiation there. Um, to stay away for 14 months, that was what we had to spend. Yeah. And looking back at the um, budget after we got home, I have to say we were under budget, probably around about $680 a week. So, yeah, we're dead proud of ourselves. We did it. We managed 14 months away on a budget of less than $700 per week. Okay, so we, got, well, we got money left over. No, I've spent it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I spent it on. Actually, you probably have paint in the deck. So um, I guess with our budget around Australia, yep, no problem, $700. Europe, we, I think we would have struggled with $700 um, a week. However, because we were in Asia for three or four months, we were saving $400 every week, um, especially in India. So we kind of had that extra money that we could sort of use when we went to Europe. Yeah. So, if, yeah. So, so yeah. Because we, we're talking about accommodation, food. Yeah, everything. Everything, yeah. everything that we spent came on that budget. So, yeah, from eating out to accommodation to fuel around Australia, hiring cars, hiring scooters, um yeah everything Mm. there was nothing that didn't come out of that budget so of course you know we didn't do you know we did often sort of think oh do we want to spend our money going into another castle 
no, that wasn't on our agenda. We could see it looking quite beautiful from the outside, but they had to spend 20 euros to walk inside. So we were quite mindful of what we yep. wanted to spend money on. And I suppose for us, it was just experiences. Yeah. Eating, you know, going into cheap restaurants and eating and just people watching and just having that experience itself was worth every dollar we spent mm. or spent in India. You know, yes. What was it, 50 cents for a, oh, yeah. for we a had, meal? We had lunch in, once that was 50, 50, uh, the equivalent of 50 cents. But, you know, when you consider eating out in India was a decent meal for a couple of dollars, you know, it was uh, it was very cheap. So we had money left over. And then, of course, in Europe, part of the part of the, the pleasure um, of being in Europe is, is dining yes. out. So we wanted to sit and yeah. dine and have a glass of wine. And a or glass two, or a litre. A carafe of wine. Because it wasn't <laughs> quite a peak. So, so it was, you know, that, I think that was more important than... Um, going to places and being yeah, that sort of the, the, the tourist going. I mean, yeah. we did, we obviously did do a few museums and things. When we were in uh, Sarajevo in particular, we made sure that we went into one of the museums that told the story of the, the siege of Sarajevo. And we, mm. went, we went to the, um, the Olympic... Museum. Actually, we got in there free, didn't we? I don't know. We did. The Olympic memorabilia place down at the the stadium, which was quite amazing. Um, Yeah, so we didn't, you know, we did a lot of cultural things, but we avoided the real overpriced tourist trap things. uh, And we didn't really see the need to see 27 different cars. Yeah. Bearing in mind, of course, that we, we grew up in the UK. So, you know, that kind of history is... Um, it's it's still interesting for us, but we grew up with it, so I don't feel the need. Yet again, I think if we were on a three week holiday, it would have been very different. Very different, yeah. You know, we were we were traveling for fourteen months. We had to make our money last. If it was a three week holiday, we would have spent our money differently. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, we would probably pay to go into places and done more perhaps, touristy things. Yeah. Perhaps if you were going somewhere new. Yeah. So we just had to be really careful, but we did it and. And you had a beautiful mixture of, of experiences as a result as well. We did, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'd say um, India has, to, in terms of like our Asian experiences, India would be a place that we, we even talked about going back there for three months and just immersing ourselves in a place there and just living. Yeah. I know it's a bit crazy. Some people go, why on earth would you want to go back to I love India? It. It's, but it's actually yeah. it's actually the third time we've been to India on this and, trip, and and it's a country that I would just go back to yeah. again and again and again. It's so big and so. I think fascinating. It, was, it was that chaos, the assault, and all your senses. Just that whole yeah, I can't that, even that explain ancient it. culture just, that you're surrounded in as well. That's quite different from from our culture. It's, it's beautiful. And I think that's what yeah, that's the key, isn't it? You really want to experience something that is completely different to what you're used to. The cast yeah. the castles and everything, what you're alluding to before. That's definitely was. Yeah. And that's not something that you come home to here in Australia and it's not something you go down the road and you can experience. You can only experience it by going to the likes of And I think yeah. in India we did choose to um I suppose stay in the I guess the cheapest accommodation we could, find places to yeah. eat just the locals were at we spent a month eating with our hands which was you know <laughs> something not everyone could do but it was part of the experience mm. and um yeah, even the, on the train oh the train that has to be one of my top experiences yeah i have to yeah tell you about this one so you know there was a was it 46 hours something like yeah. that yeah and 
Mike was going, we've got to go on it. It's all about the experience. I'm like, no, we could fly today. <laughs> Not need to sit from a train for 46 hours. <laughs> the end, I succumbed. And I have to say now, it was probably one of my one of the highlights. It was one of my highlights. That's brilliant. Especially when you nearly missed the train. I did nearly miss. Well, yeah. The, <laughs> you, so this train, it's called the Kerala Express. So we're on it for three nights? It was, two nights and three days. Two, two nights and three days. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like it stops every so often. And when it stops, you know, in these random stations or whatever you can get off and wander up and down the platform so one morning early in the morning it stopped I don't know, six seven o'clock in the morning or something so i thought oh, i'd get off and have a wander and there was a guy making omelets on the platform so i thought i'll, I'll get myself an omelet so i gave him the money and i'm standing there waiting for my omelet and then i just happened to look around and as i looked around the train was leaving the station um, so I actually had to run up the platform to jump back on the train. Oh. <laughs> what, makes, what makes me laugh a little bit, though, if he hadn't got into our carriage, the one behind was the carriage for, like... Unreserved. Yeah, the unreserved. So, you know, you're hanging off the side of the train. You're, you've got no... Some of you are sitting on the ground because there's no seat to sit on. And if he'd gone into that one... It's he, locked off from the rest of the he train. He actually so. would never have been able to go back to where I was. Until what the next stop, which yeah, might be seven hours. Was that like a few hours. hours? But I reckon you would have still had a great experience. I would have had a fantastic experience. But poor Alison would have been absolutely mortified and wondering what's happened to you. Well, I did actually have my mobile phone on me, so I could Oh, okay. I'm okay. in the carriage behind. Well, come, and, come and knock on the glass and wave at me. Uh, the train experience was, yeah. So Fantastic. Unique. And we went on another train in India, which is quite a different experience because that's where we were with everyone else. And we're literally there squeezed up on a seat with probably four or five other people. You've got a beggar lying on the floor next to you. So you've got to walk over him to get to the toilet. Let's not talk about the toilets on Indian trains. But that that whole experience was quite, um, yeah, And the people different. walk in the train selling, you know, all different sorts of stuff and all the food for sale on the train. It's yeah. brilliant. It's yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, wow. So I have to ask this question then. So if you were to kind of do it all over again, what would you do differently next time? Um, Knowing what you know now, uh, looking just back. Trying to think that's pick a few different countries. I mean, the overseas bit, pick a few different countries, and the Australian bit, uh, turn left instead of right. <laughs> that's about it, really. Because there was a lot of Australia we didn't see. You know, seven months was not enough time. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of places that we would like to kind of visit on our next time around. And there will be a next time around Absolutely. at some stage. Yeah. Mm. So not really then in answer to my question, there's not really anything that you would do differently. Like had you had that time over again if it, if it was. I actually don't. No. I don't think there is. Which is yeah, that's fantastic. No. Yeah. Well, we could live on Maybe that budget again. I'd, I'd could, actually um, take, on the overseas bit, a few less clothes. I yes. think probably a few too many clothes in my rucksack. Um, you know, my rucksack was still, what was it, about? 16 kilos? Yeah, 16 kilos or something like that. I reckon you could get it down to about 12 quite easily. Yeah, I, um, I actually agree with you there. Because, you, you, you know, you don't, if you need, if you get somewhere and it's cold and you need warm clothes, buy them when you get there. You know, if you get somewhere where it's hot and you need beach clothes, what? buy them when you get there. And then just wash as you go. You know, yeah. we used to wash the shower every night, didn't we? Our clothes and hang yeah, them out. Yeah, if you and... couldn't find somewhere to wash them, you yeah. just rinse them out. And then once a week, you might find somewhere to do some laundry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. So do you have um, a funniest, most memorable moment? That's really hard because there are some 
there's quite a few memorable moments. Um, I, when I've been asked that question before, one of the things I've said is actually arriving back at Brisbane Airport and having both our kids there to meet us, cup of coffee in hand for their dad. I really like that. Um, but the, the other top experiences were really simple ones. I mean, you just heard us mm. talking about the Kerala Express. That was mm. fantastic. Um, there was a, a time in Vietnam where we turned up at this little bar by a river somewhere. I went in and ordered a beer uh, and she bought a little keg, a two litre keg out to the table, put it on the table, opened the keg. And it seemed, you know, once you'd opened the keg, it seemed rude not to drink the whole thing. So <laughs> I drank the whole thing. Just little things like that, you know, mm. and it was the equivalent of, I don't know, like $5 or something like that for a, a keg of beer. It's I think brilliant. it's those little experiences. Yeah. Even sitting on those tiny chairs, eating yes. at the beach seafood in yeah. Vietnam. Yeah, on the little, little plastic baby. chairs and tables. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, that was actually quite funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's the little stuff. There was a, a time in, Greek, in Greece, and, you know, I wasn't a fan of Santorini, but there was a, a moment in Santorini where we found this little village on a Sunday morning and all the locals were going into church and we walked up the hill and there was actually a church at the top of the hill that you could climb onto the roof of. So we stood on the roof of this church. The locals were down the bottom of the hill at, you know, their church. The church bells were all ringing. It was wow. You know, simple, yeah, wow. thing, and it was beautiful. And that's it. Yes, simple. Yeah. Simple experiences. Mm. Yeah, you don't need to walk out of fortune right. for the, for the uh, iconic tourist experience. You can go and make your own experiences, and they're every bit as good. Mm, yeah. I've I absolutely yes. love that. Like those hills that Even, you told me was going to be flat. Yeah, <laughs> didn't I hear about that? <laughs> Yeah, we did a we did a cycling trip in the Algarve in Portugal, uh, and it was it was a fantastic five day trip. But there were a few hills, um, and Ali didn't like the hills, did you? It was all right coming down them, going up them was a bit tough. So you had promised me five days of flat cycling. Oh, that sounds awesome! I lied. You did, and you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Ali, I know what you're saying there. That's why I chose a bike ride through. Uh, Holland originally because like <laughs> it's flat. Yeah, well, yeah, that'd solve that problem, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> top of the hill, going, why, why are you? Come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, love it, love it, love it. And I love how too that you've sort of captured everything too um, with your social media uh, every and everything as well, Ali, so that you won't forget. Like you can always sort of revert back. Um, to kind of rehash, you know, those wonderful, yeah, no, amazing experiences that you've done. That, but I'm also really grateful that I spent the time to write my journal for the 14 months we were away. Yeah. So yeah. You know, every night I would be writing about experiences and what we'd done, and I'm I'm just really glad I've done that because it's very mm. easy to forget things. You know, you come home, totally. you get back into your everyday, you know, life back here. And it's just lovely to be able to look back and go, oh, my gosh, we did this and we did that and all these experiences come back and you sit there and it makes you smile. Yeah, totally, totally. So how does it feel to be back home then? Because I'm sure everyone listening is going to be thinking, you know, it's wonderful, it sounds awesome. Uh, and I know of people actually use almost that as an excuse to not go because they're worried about, the fact when they come home like oh it's going to feel awful when you come home so you know be so hard it'll be too hard to transition back to to 
you know, normal life. And, and, they, and I, they do, they kind of almost use that as an excuse not to go, which I don't understand, but I've heard plenty of people do it. Yeah, how, how, how does it honestly, honestly feel to be back home? Okay, me first? Yeah, go on. I'll go first. No, you go we on. can both have a... Um, well, it's been about three three weeks now since we've got back. And I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm struggling to adjusting. It's not the easiest thing. It's a bit easy for you because you've got work next week. But, um, yeah, it is quite hard. But I look outside my window now as I'm talking to you, and we actually live in a beautiful place. And I think what I've learned from traveling for the last 14 months, we've seen amazing places, but we've actually come back to paradise. Yeah. And that makes me, the sun's out, it's just beautiful. That makes it easier. However, yeah, it's, it is a struggle. It's lovely to see everyone. It's just adapting. It's just adjusting. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a to-do list for 14 months. And I've got a to-do list going on. I've got things I've got to do, appointments I've got to make. And I don't like that side of it. I don't like getting back into that routine right now, and I know it's called it's called reality, but it's it's just going to take me a while. Mm. I think once I get a job and I'm back into sort of the real world of world of work and living, it'll be a bit better. But we're getting there. We're getting there. It's only, we've only been back three, back weeks, three weeks. You know, it's, mm. it's early days. But uh, I, I'd say my experience is probably a little bit different. It's actually been easier than I was expecting. I think, you know, for the couple of weeks before we got back, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to feel really flat and it's going to be terrible. Mm. And for the first week, you know, probably was a bit flat. Um, But I've been lucky enough to get work pretty much straight away. Um, And and it is really nice to, you know, connect with your your social networks. And I don't mean, you know, your um, social media type networks. I mean your real (laughs) Facebook. And so... Yeah, it's been it's been a okay, cut, you know. Uh, would I prefer to be out there in the van travelling around Australia again? Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> but it is nice to check in at home, see the kids, see your friends, um, and well, maybe for a month or two. Yeah, yeah. Just, but the reality is, is we, we need money. We've got to earn some money. Yeah. you know, it's as simple as that. We need to earn some money so that we can do it again. Exactly. Yeah, and that. That kind of makes going back to work not so bad, doesn't it? Like knowing that you've got this other goal to, that you want to strive for. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I actually just wrote down something that you said, uh, Alison, that reminds me of uh, a friend of ours. I think Marcus Pierce has actually spoken about it a little bit and he's always um, said this is really important that that we do love where we live. So... Because mm-hmm. it is such a big part of our life, if, of where we live. And the fact that, you know, you've said that, you know, you guys do, you know, you, and you do, you do live a beautiful part of the world. I know because I'm not too far from you. But I think that's a really important point to actually make that if wherever you are, you know, in your life and, and so forth, I think it is important to kind of love where you live because you know it is it's your life so if there's not if you're not 100 percent, you know happy in the house that you are or the suburb that you are or whatever i think it is important to look at those options and to move somewhere differently actually i had a friend of mine that's literally just moved down to um a place that i hope to eventually too uh down in kingscliff in new south wales she was talking about it for years and she's actually just made that happen uh so i think um yeah i just think that's a really really important kind of point to make because so many of us just kind of just don't do anything about it but anything's possible if we we kind of have a goal and a motivation to to change 
Yes. Yeah. Mm. I, I think sometimes, though, you know, you need to be careful with that because you need to take the, the positives out of what you have and where you are. Um, because, you know, the, the notion that the grass is always greener on the other side, I, I don't oh, think... Oh, true, for sure, yeah. necessarily always yeah. true. So, yes, you've got to be comfortable and happy where you are. Um, but I think it's important to take the positives and look at the positives of wherever you are. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree. Like that's, yeah, that, that mentality, the grass is always greener is definitely not a good way to go either because what is it? The grass is always, the grass is greener where you water it. So I think focus on that first and then, yeah, and then, um, and then take it from there. Well, look, this has been awesome catching up with you guys. Um, As I mentioned before, I know that uh, you posted pretty much everything that you did, where you went and so forth on your social media. Uh, Ali was called No Real Destination. So for anybody that is listening and wanted to kind of, you know, revisit some of the places that Mike and Alison went, I really highly strongly recommend that you go uh, and do that. And what's even more exciting is that this whole experience has actually inspired you to write a book. Yes, well, that's what I can do if I don't get a job, you see, Mike. You know? Yeah. Now you've got to work. I can sit down and solve that. Yeah. Yes, it's something like, I don't know, just something in me. I just feel that it will be a great thing to do. I have actually already started to do it when we're in Greece. And, yeah, I guess over the next sort of few months to sit down and start getting those sort of experiences on paper and almost like giving just the inspiration to get others to go, you know what, we can do it as well. We can throw, we can throw in everything to travel and just have that experience. You know? Yeah. When you can, like why you can, why you're able before you retire and you don't know what tomorrow brings. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, the, that's when you're, the big thing there. You know, you, you still can do it when you're older, but it's gonna, it's a different experience. Yeah. I mean, what totally. we just did was a, a different experience than what we had when we were backpackers 25 years ago. Um, and when we do it again, when we're older, I'm sure it will be a different experience again. Mm. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. Well, as I said, this has been fantastic uh, catching up with you both. And, you know, it's great to have you back home, even though I know that you would still <laughs> prefer to be continuing on. But so lovely to catch up with our, our beautiful friends here, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Because I did, that was one thing I probably missed as much as, and we're 50 months later, me and you, you know, no fights, no. all good. Mm-hmm. But it has been. That's a good point. To, um, yeah, see other people, have a little bit of a break from each other. Mm. That is a good point, living in each other's, you know, lap sort of thing for 24-7, you know, for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. in that little caravan with just us, it's, yeah, but we survived it. Yeah. And And we're going camping again now, so it must be all right. Yeah. You know, just to sort of end that um, thing about the two of us being together all that time, what what I loved is we have those experiences together so we can talk about, what we've done together instead of one of us having gone away and you can't really you've got no one to talk to in the same way because you haven't done it together Mm. but yeah the fact that we have spent the last 14 months traveling we've got all those experiences that we can share yeah Mm. which is special yeah 
Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm sure people listening to this podcast, you know, obviously specifically that are shift workers that are doing these crazy shifts and, you know, at two o'clock in the morning wondering what on earth am I doing? Am I meant to be doing this for the next 10, 20, 30 years? I'm I'm sure that you've inspired um, plenty of people uh, to seriously, seriously consider going and doing exactly what you guys have done and, you know, making, you know, finding a way to kind of make it happen, whatever that version is for them. So, yeah, thank you again for joining me and um yeah and i know that you literally uh, after we get off this podcast you as i said you're about to go away for again a few more days so yeah enjoy <laughs> thank you Thanks, Audra. thank you so much Audra. it's lovely chatting with you again fantastic excellent well so that's it for another edition of the healthy shift worker podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode i know i did it was great catching up with these guys again Uh, please feel free to share this episode and this podcast with other shift workers who you think may benefit Um, and also it helps if you can leave us a five uh, rating um five star preferably or even just a comment uh in itunes as this will help to kind of push my podcast up in the rankings so that people know that i exist um, and then therefore we can actually help more people so thanks so much for tuning in and listening until next time may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24 7 the 2019 wellness summit is almost here i love being at these events they're always such a great positive environment it's been really great to um listen to like-minded people and to um meet a few people actually i've been to every summit and I've been to everyone and I'll always keep coming. It's always inspiring. It's been a real eye-opener. We're actually signed up to go to the breakthrough now. It's very motivating. I think it's great to listen to people who are inspired. And there's always something to learn and something to take away. I think uh, for myself and giving myself that um, opportunity to, to learn. There's so much going on in life and everything that you can get distracted and forget the things that you should be doing. And this always reminds you to get back on track and, and um, to focus on the things that are important and holistic help. Just do it, yeah. Just yeah, suck it up and do it. It's, uh, it could be life-changing, yeah. I would say it's awesome and it's the start of changing your life come along see what it's about and enjoy it it's an amazing event with like-minded positive people and you can't help but um, walk away feeling great positive mentor presents the 2019 wellness summit august 17 and 18 in melbourne can you afford to miss out tickets at thewellnesssummit.com This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.